1: Well, always follow
2: the, follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly
3: Howard on v well, We begin hour number two, Follow the Money. This show, of course, is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Dave Ross, Matt Humans in for Mitch and Paul today. And I believe, Matt, you say that I get to be Mitch and you get to be Paul for the next two hours. Is that correct?
0: I do have permission from Paul Howard to act like him today. I'm not sure I will. So, what does that exactly huh? mean? If you get to act like, what? what's the the, the liberties you get to take as Super Paul? Super Dave, I'm not sure what that means. No. <laughs> Paul Howard's great. We went down to Berry's on Saturday night. Oh. And,
3: uh, if you go to Berry's, dinner you, down there. Do you, the huh? you have a
0: steak? Surf and turf. Yeah, fillet and lobster. Berry's is a great spot. A lot of people ask me. When they're coming uh, for Super Bowl or March Madness, where should I go? What What are the top steakhouses? Mm-hmm. It's hard to go wrong coming to the Circus Sportsbook and going to Barry's. And not just saying that because we're sitting here. It's a great spot to be. Look at the Sportsbook behind us.
3: Yeah, can't beat it. Huh? You can't beat it. And and again, a couple uh, for Super Bowl week, uh, my boy Bryant McFadden, two-time Super Bowl champion, uh-huh. and Michael Kim, but he forgot, we went to Barry's
0: as well. So it's the spot to go. And you have to take everybody out to Stadium Swim if they haven't been here before, because that's a, so unique. It's a, one of a one of a kind spot. It's an outdoor sports book with oh my uh, God. multiple swimming pools. I think six swimming pools, and it's just a yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an incredible uh, venue for those who have not seen it before. Any, anybody who comes in from out of town who hasn't been there, I take them out to Stadium Swim. There you go. And uh, it, you could say it's one stop shopping. You get your
3: bets in here at yeah. Circus Sports. I mean,
0: there's plenty of other places around Vegas yeah. I would recommend if you want steakhouses or sports books, but uh, this would be your uh, number one stop. Dave, uh, let's talk NFC East because uh, this is your favorite division. Oh, my God, yes. And here's the deal
3: uh, two years ago in this show, about this time, the East, going back two years now,
0: Free Eagles, great run, Super Bowl against you. Talking about repeats, by the way. You don't have repeat champs in this division, huh?
3: 20 years. Now, I know the Chiefs just did something that hadn't been done in 20 years. We have not had a repeat champion in the NFC East in two decades. Yeah. The last team to do it was the Eagles back then with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb in the mid-2000s. It's been a long time, people. Cowboys won the division last year. I told everybody, hop on right around Thanksgiving. You got 7-1 to odds on the Cowboys to usurp the Eagles. Because what, Matt, what I had observed then was that the iceberg was dead ahead for Philly, right? They hadn't hit it yet, Uh but it was vastly approaching, and there was just not enough time to pivot away from said iceberg, and Philly hit it head on. And this sucker has collided to the point now where Chris Sims, for those that don't know, actually did play in the NFL. Everybody knows his dad, Phil of course, who won a Super Bowl with the g Now, Chris has come out and said, and I, I saw this and it kind of made me pause a little bit. And again, I'm a Cowboy backer, I'll admit it, an unabashed supporter of the guys with the stars in their helmet. He said, essentially, that he's the most over, player, over uh, overrated player in pro football, Jalen Hurts. So That's what a quarterback is saying about another quarterback. And basically saying, if I can summarize, that everybody around Jalen Hurts made Jalen Hurts. And that really, you know, we get into this game manager discussion. He's not even saying that. He's basically saying he can't even game manage. He's the most overrated player in the NFL. No, I, don't see, I don't
0: wrong. see it that way no, at all. A lot of times what you get with these commentators, pro football, whether it be NBA, NFL, whatever, a lot of these guys just want to come up with hot takes uh, to, yeah. to get draw attention. And, hey, we're sitting here talking about Chris Sims and what he said about Jalen Hurts, and that's exactly what he wants. But that's – it's untrue. And uh, if you look at what Hurts did two years ago, oh, I wasn't that surprised I actually talked about it before that season. I thought the Philadelphia Eagles had done a great job, and Howie Roseman has made some mistakes. Don't paint this guy as a GM who walks on water. He's made a bunch of big mistakes, and uh, some of those showed up this year. But to, before the uh, 20 – 22 season, I said the Eagles have done a great job of putting an outstanding support system around Jalen Hurts. You look at the offensive line, one of the top five in the NFL. No doubt. Right? Big play, wide receivers. Got them. You got tight ends. You got running backs. You got everything you need for Jalen Hurts to be successful in that offense. So I wasn't surprised the Eagles actually took off. And um, I had a bunch of futures on the Eagles over their win total uh, to win the NFC. Yeah, to win 3-1. to one, uh, they, a lot, huh? Yeah, to win like the 3 the dog yeah.
3: before they b- made the big draft day trade. Actually,
0: yeah, they were actually, uh, two years ago, the Cowboys were the favorites in the division. Yeah. You could get the Eagles at about 2-1 to one mm-hmm. or whatever. You could get a price. So there were a lot of Philadelphia futures that I, I cashed on there, and I thought Jalen Hurts had a breakout season that wasn't that surprising. Now, it also didn't surprise me all that much that he took a step back this year because a lot of times when a player starts to get overhyped and you want to be careful and look for the regression and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more with uh jordan love and the green bay Packers. sure well because that's going to be the hot team and this off season kind of like the eagles were the hot team in the nfc last year but they're coming off a super bowl loss dave we know how it goes mm-hmm. when teams lose the super bowl yep uh, you got the hangover if you want to call it that but a lot of things tend to go wrong the next year injuries that you didn't have the previous year you got injury issues i also think jalen hurts was banged up for much yes, of the season. thank you. And I don't want to make excuses for players, but he was trying to play through injuries. He did. He was trying to force throws, trying to force things. Hey, there was a stretch there, I think, in six games where the Eagles were outgained five times, and they were still winning. Mm-hmm. And that told you, fade the Eagles going down because the they're going to end up paying the price. That's, that trend, that's unsustainable. That can't continue. Now, the numbers, Hurts finished with 23 touchdowns. He had 15 rushing, 23 passing, and 38 total TDs. But the problem is he had 19 total turnovers. Yeah, He had 15 picks. He lost four fumbles. And uh, he was not anywhere near the player he was the year before. I think a lot of that had to do with the team. The offense kind of breaking down around it. Hey, the defense wasn't that great either. It's almost like the entire team took a big step back. Yep. And so did the quarterback. Injuries played a part in that. But Hurts is still a quarterback who can win and win at a high level, and I think Chris Sims is going to be proven wrong in what he said.
3: I couldn't agree more. And, again, I, I wish, I hope Chris Sims is right, but I don't think he is at all. I don't think Jalen Hurts is the number one problem. As to, Remember, this was a 10-1 football team last year at one point, point. and the one loss, if you remember that game, was against the Jets – in the Meadowlands, that they had a lead late, and, and Hurts, there was a terrible pick. It was the play call by Siri. I was like, just run the ball. It would have made the Jets, I'm really going in the weeds here, to take a timeout. And I don't think they would have had time with Zach Wilson to come down the field right. and kick a game-tying field goal uh, at that stage of the game. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, at 10-1, and one, you knew they were overvalued. Then the disastrous finish uh, to the to the regular season, and then even more surprising to me was the total just fall on your face game against the Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. Sure. They're the third betting favorite, along with the Cowboys, at eight to one to win the NFC next year. Of course, the Niners are a favorite at uh, just about a two to one dog, and then the the Lions you get about five to one to win the NFC next year. Eagles at eight to one, Cowboys at eight to one. I'm just not buying on this team as a whole. So you can blame it all if you want to, Chris Sims, on Jalen Hurts. I just think there's a lot of issues with this football team that have not just to do with number one behind center. And I do think defensively, when you go to Matt Patricia, three-quarters of the way in, like he's going to be a overseeing the defense. Then all of a sudden he's calling plays. That's, then he's on the sidelines. It's like, what is going on with Nick Sirianni? I think the coaching staff uh, it is in disarray. Desperation.
0: Yeah. It was, that was a desperation move to make Matt Patricia the play callers, defensive coordinator. It's kind of like when you're a handicapper, I want to – Equate this to betters because anyone out there who bets the NFL can understand this. Let's say you you go into a slump Mm. and uh, you have two or three losing weeks in a row, and over a five week or over a three week stretch, you're like six and 14, you know, in in the NFL. So you start changing what you do because, well, what I'm doing is not working, so I got to change. And then you get turned upside down. And then everything starts getting worse and it snowballs. (laughs) You just got to keep doing what you do well and stick with that and hope it turns around. Don't change everything you do and expect uh, much different results. You can't do that in the middle of the season. The Eagles were headed down the wrong path. But to make Matt Patricia the play caller on defense was going to be a disastrous move. And uh, that's what it turned out to be. But, uh, again, the Eagles had so many things going wrong. Offensive line – uh, has been a strength for that team. It started to break down. And, and started I, to break down a little bit. The defensive line wasn't that great. All all three levels of the defense, I thought, declined a little bit. Yeah. And you you had all sorts of problems there with the coaching staff as well. To pin it all on Jalen Hurts would be wrong. You go back to 2022. I thought he was great. In fact, he accounted for 32 total, uh, 35 total touchdowns, and only six turnovers. No lost fumbles. Six picks. 35 to six TD. The turnover ratio is outstanding. But he did get the big contract in the offseason. And a lot of times when a team's off a Super Bowl loss mm. and a quarterback, let's say, gets a major contract, Dave, you can't be surprised when regression hits. And that's what you have to anticipate as a handicapper. Once the We
3: do not have them yet. Once the divisional odds come out, the Cowboys will be the favorites to repeat. Again, hadn't happened in two decades, to repeat as NFC East champions. I will say this, Kellen Moore is the new OC, Boy Genius 2.0. When the Cowboys got rid of Kellen Moore, it was going to be the end of Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. What are they doing? Uh, they ended up having Dak at his best year under Big Mike with Kellen in uh, L.A. last year with the Chargers. That didn't go well there with Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. So now he's paired with Jalen Hurts. That's going to be interesting to me to see if Kellen Moore can right. revitalize his reputation and Jalen Hurts. It feels like two guys now, I'm not saying they're being thrown out, but clearly two guys that two years ago were the cat's meow. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're going, well, how good is Jalen Hurts? How good is Kellen Moore as a play caller? Nick Sirianni's job depends on
0: Kellen Moore and Jalen Hurts this year getting it right. Yeah, his job depends on a lot of things getting right. But, yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And I, I think Kellen Moore is probably going to be a good offensive coordinator hire for the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, – I think optimism about what he could do with Justin Herbert and the Chargers didn't really pan out. But uh, I, I think in Philadelphia, that's probably a good hire. I, You know, we could talk more about the Cowboys and the I, Eagles and what you expect out of this division. I, I, to me, one of the biggest surprises of the entire offseason is that the Cowboys are bringing back Mike McCarthy as coach after what happened in the playoffs. And Dave, I'm saying that just to stoke you and trigger you because I know how much you love Big Mike. Luke, let's have that stricken from the record, please. I don't want that to be replayed at all. When we come
3: back, let's talk about America's team and what Bart Scott had to say about Micah Parsons. That's next here on Follow the Money.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
0: If you're
3: looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Get a daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns of every single game. Visit VEASAN.com slash pro to subscribe today. That's VEASAN.com slash pro. <laughs> Matt Eumanns, Dave Ross here, continuing Follow the Money. And very quickly, before we get to March Madness, and you should get that because we're going to break down every single game, I asked this this weekend. March Madness is, I think we all think unparalleled for the entire event because you get the whole month, right? But now with the expansion of the NFL playoffs, right, we get more wild card games. If I said, Matt Humans, you can only have one. You can have March Madness or the entirety of the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. Which one would you? If you had to give up
0: one for Lent, well, which easy. one would you give up? It's easy. I would uh, I would take above everything else without a doubt NBA All Star Weekend. No, I'm just.
3: <laughs> as I, good as it gets.
0: March Madness. See, now I'm a college basketball guy, yeah. so March Madness to me is the easy answer. NFL's going to be second. First of all, in uh, NCAA tournament, you get 60 plus games. Yeah. You know, it's just a volume, the volume. of games and uh, the drama, the one and done. Doesn't get any better than the NCAA tournament. Now, this NFL playoffs, I thought was great. It was awesome. And uh, you know, that's our betting, our betting world revolves around the NFL. There's no doubt about it. But close second in terms of that's March Madness. You look at the sports book behind us right now, and this is you're going to see a similar scene in every book in Las Vegas. It's empty. Yep. It's going to be empty most of the day and most of the night, and that's not going to change much over the next few weeks until we get to March, and everything's going to start to come alive again. Uh, after the Super Bowl, you've got a, d- d- a depression phase. You I really mean, yes, we do. We're in it. I had a uh, friend who's a pro better text me last night and said, "This has got to be two of the worst sports days of the year. This is just miserable." You know, Sunday, Sunday was bad. Monday was worse. There's just nothing, <laughs> nothing going on, and you can't wait to get to March till we get some big time games. Anyway, Dave, I thought we were going to talk about the Cowboys. We are. Okay. We're going to talk about him right now because look, I love Bart Scott, and
3: it does not mean if you don't know who Bart Scott is, of course, played a linebacker in the league, really made his say with the Jets back in the day, and he had a famous. A quote when uh, Sal Powell said to him, are you looking forward to playing the Patriots? Can't wait. Can't wait, right? That was Bart Scott as a linebacker. He's kind of taking that personality onto the airwaves to do what we do. And to a degree, and obviously talking about the NFL and he's talking about Micah Parsons. And in so many words, he says he's soft, he's sensitive Mm -hmm. and he needs to kind of put down the podcast instead of the pen these days, put down the pod and stop being so sensey and getting out there and being a leader As a linebacker and that the position almost requires you to be an alpha and that he feels he's being more of a beta, if you will, and saying it's because of people like Micah that the Cowboys aren't having the ultimate success in that second season. And look, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't go that far, but I would say this. We are in a different day and age of athlete where everybody's got one of these that we have in front of us, and that's your own podcast. Everybody can have a podcast these days, right? Micah's got a podcast. Micah likes to chirp on social media. So do I. I'm not going to get on him for that. But I'm also not playing linebacker
0: for the Cowboys, trying to win a Super Bowl, which they haven't done since the year 1995. And if you were playing linebacker for the Cowboys of 50-some years old. It wouldn't be very good. 5'10", 180 (laughs) pounds.
3: All heart, though, baby. (laughs)
0: All hard out It'd there. Might be a bad thing for the Kent Dallas defense.
3: Do, 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 but, do, huh? do, does Micah take to heart what somebody like
0: Bart Scott says? Or... Probably. He's going to be sensitive about it, and he's going he's gonna to fire back at Bart Scott. Hey, Micah Parsons, by the way, probably one of the top performers of NBA All-Star Weekend. You know he had 37 <laughs> points and 16 rebounds in the celebrity game? I did not know that. But now, when he came out of Penn State <laughs> – I actually – I thought the Cowboys made a great draft pick. Yeah. Because I couldn't believe he fell into the Cowboys' lap. What Was that the number 12 or 13 oh, pick think, in the first round? I think 11, round? right? I okay. Think, but right there in that, in that range. And to have him fall out of the top 10 to Dallas is such an easy decision to take Mike apart. He was a stud at Penn State. I knew he's going to be a stud in the NFL. He's one of 12. those guys that just can't miss, huh? 12th 12, 12 overall. You're but, right. Yeah. So he, he is the leader of the Dallas defense. Is he too sensitive? Yeah. I, I don't think – First of all, he's not the most sensitive athlete out there, pro athlete, because Kevin Durant is far and away the number one <laughs> most sensitive athlete. But you know, you've got all these guys now who are on Twitter, who have their own podcast, Instagram, Twitter podcast. It's just a, it's just a different breed of athlete. It it's is not the old school. Could you have ever imagine Dick Butkus having uh-huh. a uh, a Twitter? Or I.G. Or or, or or,
3: Lawrence Taylor doing a show. Or
0: or Dick Barkus. Now that that stuff wouldn't happen. But I think it's also part of the culture of the Cowboys and part of what goes wrong with the Cowboys because a lot of the Cowboys players are more caught up in being stars than they are developing a winning team. And I think uh, it's been one of the problems, Dave, for the last 30 years why this team hasn't got back to the NFC Championship game.
3: Well, and and that's interesting to me because it's hard for me to gauge – Yes. When you wear the star in your helmet, and I say it all the time, it, it's it's not just a star. It's a way of life. Right. Like it changes. It changes who you are as an athlete. And I kid all the time about this. But really, it's different. And I know that people outside of Dallas or America's team, they hate these type of conversations. But it it is different when you wear that star. Everybody guns for you, and they haven't won anything in 30 years, and yet everybody still guns for them because of Jerry Jones, because of the, the war of the franchise, right? They're always the team to beat in the NFC East each and every well, it's year. It's like,
0: the, you know, the Yankees have won yes. one World Series in the past. Uh 20 plus years. But
3: they're, they're always marked men. Of course. And, and you, you kind of want that, I think, as an athlete. So I think to Bart's point, the Lakers, Lakers have Lakers. not been
0: winning a bunch of NBA titles over the past 15 or 20 years. Exactly. You know, since Shaq and Kobe. but It goes with the territory of certain teams. Yeah. I, I think the more interesting discussion, too, with the Cowboys and the Eagles is who would you bet on to win this division in 2024? Because Do we, we believe just, in curses. We just talk, well, we talked about no repeats, right? right? Over in the last years. 20 years, there has not been a repeat winner in this division. And Dallas just won the game by one. I won the division by one game over Philly. Seems to be a lot of things going wrong with that Eagles team right now. Can they pull it back together? Uh, because you're not you're pro- the Washington Commanders are probably going to take a quarterback, yes. number one or number two. They could trade up to number one mm-hmm. or take a quarterback at two. The Giants don't seem like they're anywhere close to winning the division. So if you look at the odds in the uh, to win the NFC East. Who are you taking? Well, Who you, the Cowboys are going to be the favorites? You're going
3: to lay money with the Cowboys. I'm not going to do no. it. I'm not going to lay money. No. They're they're going. You're going to have to lay a price tag here with the Cowboys. I would assume it's going to be around dollar fifty somewhere in that vicinity here. I don't know, it'd be that high. Maybe dollar thirty five somewhere in that vicinity. But they're going to be the favorites. The Eagles are going to be the second betting favorite. I would assume right now you'd look at the G-men. We saw the news that it looks like Saquon Barkley might be coming back for another one-year deal uh, to be tagged there with the Giants. And then the commanders, and look, it's a whole new regime regime now in Washington D.C. They're going to draft a quarterback. We believe whether they stay pat at two, trade up to one to go get Caleb Williams. Remember, Cliff Kingsbury is now the OC in D.C. And you can try to connect those dots if you want. I know Bears backers are probably saying, "No, we're going to stay at one, take Caleb well, Williams." That I, could well be.
0: I said last week what I would do if I were the Bears. I would trade that number one pick trade down to number two the commanders will give up a ton yes to get to number one to get to caleb williams i like caleb williams i don't necessarily think he's an patrick mahomes i saw a lot of things last season i don't like and uh, i actually think if you trade down to number two and take Jaden daniels the quarterback from lsu oh. you might end up getting a better quarterback plus you're going to get a bunch of other draft assets now I, want, I wish I could be in on the interviews and the workouts to have more of an inside perspective mm-hmm. to make sure that's the move I would make. But I think if you're the Bears, you have to seriously consider trading to the number two pick because you can still get, hey, if you want Drake May from North Carolina, maybe that's your guy. If it's not Jaden Daniels. But you got two great options there at quarterback. Plus, you're going to get a lot from the commanders if they want to move up from two to one to get Caleb Williams, who would be a home run pick for that franchise, as you know, from that area Absolutely. because that's where he grew up. No
3: doubt. It, it, yeah. it makes a lot of sense if they could get Caleb Williams in D.C. Look, we saw what C.J. Stroud did in year one in Houston to help win that division, right? Now, it took a little bit of a collapse by Jacksonville and some other things to happen. I wonder if if it is Caleb Williams in D.C. or whomever they get, whether it's at two or at one, is this division, we're just talking Cowboys and Eagles two here. Two-horse race. So there's no other horse. I think it's
0: still a two-horse race.
3: I hope you're right. Because I don't want more competition here as a Cowboy backer, and by the way, the Cowboys are twenty to one to win the the, the Super Bowl next year. That number's been shorted already at places here like Circa. so they, they they gave you a little bit of hope, and then immediately that number went down. So just neither here nor there, but that number did change. I don't want to say Cowboys. that
0: Cowboys fans like you live in the past, <laughs> but it's been uh, almost thirty years, right, since you won a Super Bowl. So I brought a gift in for you today. Oh. I found this in my closet. 1994, the year in sports with Emmett Smith, Sports Illustrated video. I thought, who better to give this to than Super Dave Ross, Super Cowboys fan. You know what? You're huh? not going to believe this, or maybe you That's will. narrated by Mar- Marv Albert, by the way. I already have this. <laughs> And now you got two copies. That is, in fact,
3: fact. <laughs> I'll keep two, damn it. Give me, I'm going to break out the VCR when I get done after the show. When we come back, going to have a lot of fun talking some hoops with Tim Brando. That is next when you come back with us. 1994, baby, it lives forever. We're back with more Follow the Money. Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies insider tips and the latest buzz with the free veeson daily newsletter lots of march madness talk out there so get expert analysis and the latest odds delivered straight to your inbox absolutely free visit veeson.com slash newsletter to subscribe today back alongside matt humans dave ross here with you a pleasure to have tim brando join the program on the call tonight uh, in the big east but tim we want to talk kind of big picture here a little bit from a game you did over the weekend. And we saw UConn. They're the favorites right now to repeat as national champs at five to one to cut down the nets. Again, we don't see this very often as Matt and I were discussing, are they really built to go kind of wire to wire again and possibly get it done two years in a row?
2: Yeah, they are. They're better than they were a year ago. And that's saying something, you know, without Andre Jackson and, uh, you know, they lot Joy Calcatero was also a really good outside shooter, and and uh, without Adamo Sinogo, uh, who was a quality big, who was part of the two headed monster with he and Klingon, and they Klingon has just emerged now as a dominant player. They've got a quality backup in Samson Johnson, uh, that they're not afraid to play. And then when you look at the really the two reasons I think that they've been able to, um, to emerge as a better team than they were a year ago, that even though Andre Jackson is now with the Milwaukee Bucks, who was on hand for the game in Connecticut last week, um, they have replaced him basically with two different guys, and they're both outstanding players. Cam Spencer, who I believe is the best transfer player in the country, the young man from Rutgers, who's not just a great shooter, but also a hell of a defender, like Andre Jackson was. And then, uh, the emergence of Tristan Newton as an incredible point guard. Uh, a year ago, Newton was probably, at this time a year ago, the guy that you felt like maybe was the weak link, that he was not a, um, a prototypical point guard, but maybe Connecticut didn't need that because everybody could handle the, the, the ball fairly well for that team. Well, Tristan now has become that really good point guard. I mean, he's dropping dimes left and right. He's averaging over six assists a game. Uh, right around 15 and a half points. You look at his numbers, and it's hard to. Well, this is true with any of the Connecticut players. You look at their numbers, and you go, I don't know if he could be player of the year. Well, because five guys are averaging double figures. <laughs> <you know? laughs> that five guys that are averaging an excess of 12 and a half, 13 points a game, then it's hard for anyone to really stand out. But I think that those two players right there are the, the reasons why they're even better mm. than the. T- that we saw dominate uh, the entire NCAA tournament. I don't think they lost a game. Or they, I don't think they won a game by less than, what was it, 13, 14 yep. points? Something like that in the tournament. And uh, and Marquette was a team. The teams in the Big East um, are so good, and they're so well scouted and well coached. They're the teams that really have the best chance of beating Connecticut. You know, Seton Hall got them early in the year uh, after they had taken a trip to Kansas uh, it was the right time for them to play him, and, and Shaheen Holloway is a hell of a coach. Um, I think that uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find better coaches uh, than than <laughs> you know, Shaka Smart and the job he's done at Marquette. He beat them two out of three times a year ago, and you got a great one-two punch with um, with uh, Kolek and Oso Iguodaro, and, and those two were just taken out of their game because they didn't have as much help in the Marquette game with with um, with Connecticut, as they normally would get from players like Cam Jones, uh, Cam Jones, and and um, Stevie Mitchell, David Joplin, all those guys have got to play at their, their peak level to, to be able to compete with with Connecticut. And uh, in that building on Saturday, in a game that uh, Donnie Marshall and I thought would be very very close, and and looked like it would be that way. Um, ultimately, when you're making that many buckets and you're getting that many offensive rebounds. And they just absolutely closed out on the defensive boards, and it was one and done for Marquette. It's hard to lose, you know, and Connecticut's making it really, really difficult on themselves to find a way to stub their toes. Um, it's going to take an, an incredible effort. Whoever gets them uh, between now and the end of the Big East tournament, it's going to take an incredible effort for whatever team that is that's able to do it the way they're playing right now.
0: Tim Brando, of Fox Sports, with us, and uh, Tim, I uh, watched the game that you called on uh, Saturday, Marquette, UConn. It was a 28-point beat down. It was it was uh, tied through 10 minutes. looked like it was yeah. going to be a you know a classic top five matchup. Turned out not to be the case. Now, a lot of talk in college hoops. There was UConn and Purdue and everybody else. And then Purdue takes a loss at Ohio State. You've you've had a chance to see both teams in person. See a lot of the top teams in right. college hoops. Is it UConn and everybody else? And I say that, Tim, going into tonight's game. UConn's only a a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite at Creighton tonight.
2: Yeah, I think Creighton is playing at a very high level now, fellas. You don't want to lose sight of them. Uh, I saw them a week ago Saturday on the road uh, at Xavier in a game that Xavier really needed at home. You know, they were like first four out, I think, with that game. And they had won four in a row, uh, Xavier. And you know... You know, you know how good of a coach Sean Miller is, and they really needed that game. Creighton took them apart. Uh, the player of the year in the Big East maybe uh, might be Shireman uh, at Creighton, uh, and the reason is his numbers are off the charts, and he's doing so much more for them this season. He's actually bringing the ball up some. He's posting up. I mean, he's literally all over the floor. Um I think Creighton is a team. Remember now they were only one second and a bad call away from the final four a year ago. Mm. Now, Ashworth, the, the, the kid that, uh, that they put at the point that they picked up through the, the portal, uh, has not been a Ryan Nimhard kind of guard. And it's taken a while for him to, to get in the flow. I think maybe he was trying too hard to be a, a point guard and he's really not a point guard. He just needs to play his game. And the last couple of weeks he has. And, uh, Colt Brenner, by the way, is another kid. You know, we talk about Zach Eady so much, but Colt Brenner now has really emerged, gotten very strong. His, he had a fatigue factor issue, I think, in a lot of games last year because they were asking so much of him. He's gotten physically much stronger. Uh, he is as gifted around the, the the rim in terms of defending it as anybody I've seen. He doesn't get in foul trouble anymore. He knows how to Block shots without committing fouls, and you know that that team is dangerous again. They look like the, the kind of team that we all thought they would be at the beginning of the year. They were struggling at a certain point. Connecticut hammered them much like they hammered Marquette about a month ago, and they kind of went into it a bit of a tailspin. But I think they they they've gotten it back. I think that that Connecticut game uh, with with. Uh, with um, Creighton is going to be a tough one uh, for UConn. If they're going to lose, that's their best chance of losing in the Big East the rest of the way. Now, the tournament is a different thing. I think once you get to the Big East tournament, everybody's going to bring their best. And, and the league is good, fellas. There's only really one bad team, DePaul, and I think Georgetown is still dangerous. They, they, they're not winning, but they're dangerous. you got to show up to beat Ed Cooley's team. Everybody else in that league is good. The only real difference between the Big 12 and the Big East is number of teams. You know, the Big 12 has just got more teams than the Big East does. But uh, nine of those 11 teams, man, they can get you. Um, I do think that UConn is separating themselves. And, and even though Purdue lost against Ohio State, to me that was a bit of an aberration. You got a coaching change. You got a lot of talented players. I mean, Bruce Thornton's a great player. That's a that's a really talented Ohio State team that just lost its way. I feel really bad for Chris Holtman. I think it's really ironic that that Chris, who who was coaching at Gardner Webb, had the Butler job fall in his lap and then had great success there, left for Ohio State. And who takes over at Butler but the guy that Ohio State fired, Sad Mata? in, <laughs> yeah. Right. And he's got Butler playing well. You know, that's why tonight's game is an important game that we have. Um, Sarah Creuzer going to be with me for tonight's game and uh, at Villanova. This is a bubble game tonight. You know Kyle Neptune needs to win. He needs to get in the tournament this year. Uh, Villanova fans are expecting it. They've got, you know, they've spent some NIO money here a uh, small private school. That's a that's a big deal. Even if you've won two national championships in the last six years, like Villanova, uh, and Butler, yeah, Butler's coming in here thinking that they have to win this basketball game, too. And Thad's team just got thumped by Creighton, who they had beaten at Creighton. The last loss Creighton had it was an unbelievable game, and that Kelford kid's a great player. So, But I do think Purdue, with Edie and Lance Jones, I think that's a dominant team, fellas. I don't think Purdue is, is uh, suddenly not clear of everybody else just because they lost that game to Ohio State. I think that's a bump in the road uh, for them. I, I love Matt Painter's team. I think when Lawyer and Lawyer, those guys, Brandon Smith has had a great year. He may be, the third or fourth, may be the third or fourth best point guard in the country. And Smith has made such a difference in their in their team. And uh, they're not built at all like Connecticut. And, yeah, the, if they don't get what they need from two or three players, they can be in trouble. They're more vulnerable than UConn. But I, I do think they've separated themselves. And maybe Arizona has, too. They're looking for a team out west. It may have separated itself. I think Arizona, once they defend and make a commitment to defending, they're they're locked and loaded too.
0: Tim, if uh, you can hold on, now we're talking about the Butler Villanova game tonight. <laughs> Villanova, a six point favorite there, and that one. Tim, if you can hold on, I want to ask you about Rick Patino. and I know you're a big fan. I'm sure you're a big fan of what happened in NBA All Star Weekend. So we'd like to talk. <laughs> oh to... <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, well, yeah,
3: we got much of that coming on the other side. Hang with us, Tim Brando, next here as we continue follow the money.
1: Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
3: Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're
0: with us today
3: on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro.
1: Billie's vocals. It was automatic art.
0: You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so? soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted
3: thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline this week on DraftKings Sportsbook new customers can bet uh deposit five dollars and get a no sweat bet up to 1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet happens to lose download the app and use promo code visa when you sign up DraftKings Sportsbook the crown is yours a pleasure to be joined once again by Tim Brando from Fox Sports? He's on the call tonight for Butler against Villanova. Right now, Villanova about six point favorites at home. Uh, but Tim, we wanted to discuss a little bit more in the Big East, and Matt and I talked about it uh, earlier in the program. It was Rick Bettino's comments, and they did kind of take center stage over the weekend, at least in St. John's world. And in so many words, basically saying this is not an enjoyable experience of what he's going through right now at St. John's. How did you take what Rick had to say, and do you think the kids can possibly respond in a positive uh, fashion after what basically he said, our kids just aren't good enough right now?
2: Fellas, I don't need to tell you at this stage of my career, trying to get inside the head of a 18- <laughs> to 23 year old I really don't know, you know how to answer that other than to respond by saying, maybe Rick knows something that we, we don't know because he's there with him every day. Uh, let me give you a, a little bit of a, a background and, and thought process on this. I, I've had them several times this year and was really impressed early and really not impressed lately. And I think part of it was because they were playing at a pretty high level and as a team – Seem to be getting it together. I had them in their victory against Villanova here in Philadelphia uh, a little over a month ago, and I thought they really shared it well. Danis Jenkins is a really good player. Rick brought him over from Iona, and um, I mean he was he was the reason Pasha Alexander wound up going to Butler uh, and didn't stay with uh, Soriano. And Pasha Alexander is a tough kid. You know the kind of kid you would think. Patino would like to have, but he made a commitment to Danis Jenkins. And, and Jenkins, in a lot of ways, I think is a more complete backcourt player and team leader than, than Posh could be. Posh plays hard, but he's, he's inconsistent. Um, but, you know, when you look at the rest of the team, it, these are all guys he brought in. They were handpicked transfer players that he brought in. So I think he had made a really strong commitment to these guys, but they were all going to be playing together for the very first time. The, the narrative in New York was by everyone, well, we've got you know, the greatest coach in college basketball, and these kids just need to be coached up. A lot, of, a lot of the St. John's people, I think, were collectively throwing Mike Anderson under the bus, who had been a pretty you know, successful coach prior to the time that he got to St. John's. That's a hard job, fellas. I mean, it is. And because you, you don't have a consistent home floor, uh, and I think maybe the rigors of not having that consistent home floor – have caught up to the team and maybe to Rick mentally a little bit. It may be that he's the guy feeling the February dog days of, of trying to coach this team without having that, that usual home floor. I know they want to play more games to the garden, but they probably would be better off playing more at Karnaseka because that place is a pit and they would have more of a home floor advantage were they to play there <laughs> in the last couple of games, two of the last three, I think have been played, uh, over in Jersey somewhere. I mean, I, I a place where I've never seen a basketball game played. So I think that's part of it. He's spending a lot of his time with uh, NIL people. I mean, when he's not coaching, he's going out trying to raise money, hmm. okay, to compete at St. John's. Um, he should have known better than to say some of the things that he said. I thought it was a – how do I put it? Um, and I'm going to try to be as polite about this as I possibly can. We're all trying to stay young. I think that I'm able to go in with a refreshing attitude about what I'm doing in the dog days of February as best I can. But I'm not trying to control anyone other than myself and the guys I'm working with, not not a bunch of kids. I, I think it was a senior moment for him. <clears throat> uh, after that game, he was upset. They lost a big lead, something that I'm sure had him in a, in a very, very bad frame of mind. And I don't know how you – go back to his team in the aftermath of that to let them know that maybe he didn't mean all of those things, but I think that's what it's going to take because I don't know how any other, I don't know how you deduce from that, any other thing that he just threw me and my teammates under the bus. Maybe that'll work with these guys. I don't know. He knows better than we do clearly because he's with them every day, but it certainly didn't look good. Uh, And I've known Rick a long time. He's a complicated guy, but he's a hell of a coach. Mm. And maybe he'll turn this thing around. Maybe they'll suddenly get it. Um, Maybe he felt like that's what he needed to do and that these guys have been told for too long that they just needed to be coached and that it was somebody else's fault, not theirs. You know, Maybe that's what he was thinking and that that philosophically he had to go in that direction. But it, it did not look good. It was not... For a Hall of Fame coach, it was not a Hall of Fame postgame presser, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing. So St. John's opened the season 12-4, and 2-8 and eight in the past 10. Probably not going to make the tournament unless Patino can work some sort of miracle here. And it uh, looks unlikely. Blew a 19-point lead in that loss to Seton Hall over the weekend. Tim Brando of Fox Sports with us. And, uh, Tim, I don't know how you spent your weekend. I'm going to guess you were playing golf, maybe with the family. Did you get the popcorn ready and sit back in the recliner and watch the NBA All-Star game?
2: Well, I only had one day at home after my Saturday game at Connecticut. So, no, I was basically in recovery mode. If you had put a microphone in me, I might have been saying something along the lines of Rick Pitino about you know, family members or something. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I, I did not partake in any of the NBA uh, uh, festivities. Uh, whatsoever i gosh i you know look i i respect the league but the, but the time i spent in it when i was a broadcaster watching you know the teams playing in the 90s which i think was the last time that to me the game was engaging you know um when the houston rockets had it going when jordan was out of the league and then when jordan came back so it was a really good time to be in the nba as a broadcaster. I did think I learned a lot about, about basketball, learned more about it, became a better broadcaster from it. But so my God, I don't know. I've got a lot of friends that are calling games still in the NBA, fellas. I don't know how they do it. I just don't. <laughs> uh, I, at some point, I would just have to say, you know, guys, I'm sorry. I know, I know I'm getting paid, but um, these guys are giving half-ass effort. And so if I deliver a half-ass broadcast, I guess, you know, you can, you can put up with it, right? Probably not. I think owners would probably get rid of me. Uh, Executive, me <laughs> get Brando the hell out of here. But I don't know how to do it. I, I really don't. And uh, it's it's just uh, it's unwatchable, to me. Um, I used to be able to, to muster up enough um, excitement to watch the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. I used to be able to do that. I don't know that I can do that anymore. And and that all the All Star thing. What really troubles me the most, though is how much time the media spends on this. You know, think about it. We had one versus four with a month left to play, and I don't care whether you're watching uh, a cable network owned by Fox or a cable network owned by ESPN. During the day, you didn't hear a damn thing Mm-mm. about about the Connecticut um, Marquette game coming up. Nothing. I mean, it was like we were, you know, missing in action. Oh, what game do you have? Oh, that's one versus four. Really? <laughs> Nobody knew, you know, because everyone's talking about that. And whether it's the NFL going to mid-February with its Super Bowl or Daytona being the first week after the Super Bowl, uh, uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend, no one wants to talk about college basketball, apparently, until Selection Sunday. I think that's a damn shame. Um, The tournament, of course, is the best three weeks in sports. We get that. But I think college basketball really gets shortchanged with the the, the current media calendar and the way um, we fawn we fawn over these guys that are as I as I said giving half-ass efforts much of the regular season. It's just it's painful to me to watch.
3: Yep, that was a, a really tough watch, and I think there's a difference between outrage and apathy, and I think there's a lot of apathy after what people, if they watch, and they're going to go, why am I going to watch this anymore? I'm just not going to be invested in it. And to your point, Tim, you had a great game, at least on paper, one versus four. I think more people are going to start turning the channel uh, to see what college games they can get, if that's the product, the best well, that I they're going to have. You know
2: what, fellas? That's one of the reasons why women's basketball is taken off, yep. in my <laughs> opinion. It's It's interesting because, uh, because of the emergence of Caitlin Clark, and she's deserving of all the accolades, Angel Reese at LSU and Paige Becker is at Connecticut, and have several other star players that are out there. Dawn Staley's South Carolina team is really a lot of fun to watch. I mean, if you watch two quality women's teams play, it, it will compel you. They, they play a great game. Fundamentally, they may be ahead of the men in a lot of ways. I know a lot of the older audience uh, prefers the, the women's game to the men's game, and I get that. I do. I understand it. But has not for whatever reason, transcended to the college men's game? Uh, it, it's it's pretty much an afterthought. It's like if you're watching media today and you came in from another planet, you'd say, <laughs> God, "I'm watching this network. It carries all the college basketball games all night long, but during the day, I don't even know that the the season's underway <laughs> because about it." You
3: know no, what I mean? No doubt Make about no it. Sense. Tim, have a great call tonight. Butler in Villanova, he's on it at Fox Sports. The great Tim Brando, a pleasure having him on the last couple segments. When we come back, let's talk some more NBA. Hopefully the good news that the second half is starting with our own JVT. That is next here and you come back with us, hour number three of Follow the Money.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.